0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Put Cancer Behind You podcast, a series dedicated to helping cancer patients and survivors lead healthy, happy, cancer-free lives. I'm your host, Maria Barnes. My guest today is Gail Kondrick, an author, Carolyn Mays Archetypal Consultant, member of the NIA International Faculty, and a Veriditas Labyrinth Facilitator. Gail, thank you so much for joining me for a discussion about the sacred journeys and leaps of faith in your life that led to you becoming the teacher, artist, and leader in personal empowerment that you are.
1: Thank you, Maria. It's uh, it's great to be with you, and I, I'm looking forward to discussing these things with you and more. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, we've known each other a long time. So to set the stage, we're going to have to go back a few decades to when we first met. And at the time, you were already a media professional who was producing a project for WETA, which is the public television station in Arlington, Virginia. And I was a media wannabe. So I remember going down to your office and asking you how I could get into doing the type of work that you were doing, because that's really what was in my heart. And you suggested going back to school for a master's degree to get into the field, which is exactly what I did. I enrolled in the American University and got a master's in film and video. It was all analog at that time, nothing digital. But uh, several years later, we met again. And by then. You were the director of cable television and consumer protection for Fairfax County, Virginia. Quite an impressive uh, job. Quite a wonderful career you had there. It was long. It was great. And eventually, you hired me as one of your freelance producers. So that was wonderful. That's
1: yeah, so you were actually... quite
0: smart, Maria. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had a wonderful time working for you and with you, and it was just a, a wonderful journey. And. In that time that we worked together there, you really had a transformation that was really amazing. So let's so, even though you've never had cancer, I just want to share your story, your transformation with uh, listeners, because while I was being treated for metastatic breast cancer, which is considered terminal, I did have a reading with a group of spiritual guides and teachers from a higher dimension, and what they told me about getting well was eye-opening. Basically, they said that love, which heals everything, comes from several things, opening your heart through forgiveness, which I was trying to do, passionate creativity, and cultivating a deep and meaningful connection to the natural world. And so while they said, you know, you know, you're doing pretty well in the forgiveness work, if you don't get back out into nature, and if you don't start being creative again, you are not going to make it. So that really had a big impact on me, but it also made me it, it really brought you back into my life because I thought, "Oh my God, Gail is doing all of this." And so I just thought it would be really important to have you tell your story and perhaps inspire other people, certainly cancer survivors or patients, to to look at what they're doing in their lives and maybe change up a few things. So let's go back to the mid-1990s when you began your transformation. And I remember it clear as a bell. On that particular day, you told the staff that you were going to be teaching Nia. So what led you or inspired you to teach that form of dance and what gave you the courage to do it? Because it was really quite a departure, a real breaking free, if you will, from the Gail that we had known and loved for a very long time, who was the head of this, you know, government uh, television channel. And it was just a real departure. It was a revolutionary decision, to say the least, and certainly of the best kind. But what led you to that?
1: Well, I think that... All of us have, have certain moments in our lives when there are choice points that uh, we make that can take us in a brand new uh, direction. And we don't necessarily at the time have an understanding of what might lead from that. But when I look back, and you're right, that was the, that was the first thing, was uh, becoming a NIA instructor. And since then, it's been step by step by step. But going back to that first event, what took me there was actually a recommendation from a physician that I needed to exercise. Wow. Yes. And so exercise for me was just simply not something I enjoyed doing. I've never been an outdoorsy person. I'm not an exerciser. And I had worked in the building that we're talking about for several years, in fact, helped design it. And so it was about uh, 10 years in. And right down the hall, was the employee gymnasium. You know, it was a benefit. It wasn't, you didn't even have to pay for it. You didn't have to move your car to get to it. It was just, and it was probably 300 feet from my office. And so I decided to poke my head in that gym. And when I did, I saw a group of people doing a program, a step aerobics program, which was popular in the 1990s, which is Disaster for your knees, by the way, <laughs> but but from there, after three classes, what I liked about it was the camaraderie and the music and the dance. And the instructor said, I'm going to be gone for two weeks, and I'm going to have a substitute, and she's going to be teaching something called the knee technique. And it really looks funny, but it makes your body feel good. So that was my introduction. And I decided to give it a go. The day I gave it a go was very significant in my life. It was my mother's birthday and she had passed recently. And so my first class of the NIA technique, I walked in and boy, she was right. People were doing, (laughs) it looked funny and it made your body feel good. And I had a dramatic experience, a dramatic experience I walked out of the uh, one-hour class, which, by the way, 10 minutes in, I was looking at the clock to determine how many more minutes there were before I could leave. But I walked (laughs) out of the class, I walked into the employee showers, and I wept uncontrollably for 30 minutes straight. Wow. And what was happening, I now understand, was it was one of the first times that I was making a mind-body connection and a spirit connection that clearly had been part of my life journey, planned as my life journey, and I had just said yes. So absolutely everything started to change. Once I began connecting, and it took a while, it wasn't immediate, but when I announced to your group, it was about a year and a half from that day, that I was going to take the uh, training to become an instructor, and there were obstacles along the way. But I overcame them. You sure did, and so I did. Yes, Yes, that was 1998. Wow, the last century. You remember the last
0: century? (laughs) I do, I do. And you were a fabulous and very popular uh, instructor. I must say, you had you've had quite a following, um, and and you've been with Nia quite a long time. I mean, you you taught Nia. I mean, you how many? You actually went the, the entire course of NIA, right?
1: I did. Since Well, I started it uh, as an instructor in 1998 and a year and a half before that as a student. And I went through all the belt levels, which are based on uh, the martial arts. And so it's a, a white belt, a blue belt, a brown belt, a black belt. And then I, I went on. I was invited to be a NIA international trainer, which is a pretty big deal, When I was invited, there were only 13 people who were international trainers. So that was for, that wasn't for your state or your city, that was for the world.
0: That's just amazing. And there was a whole
1: group of us that came in uh, together. And I did that for many years until I reached my own own personal goal of uh, training 100 people to be instructors. And then it was time for something new. (laughs)
0: Yeah. That is a phenomenal story. And And you're a wonderful dancer, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know Gail, she is quite a dancer. So, and I, I just know that everyone enjoyed the classes significantly, but Nia was just the first door that opened. So I know that when I had cancer the first time, you had become a Reiki master. And yeah. And so how did that come about? Well, one of the things about Nia is it
1: opened the door for me to new practices and new ideas of how to use my own creative spirit. And uh, part of that was in the Nia training that I mentioned, each belt has different uh, training techniques. And the white belt is getting in touch with your body and your mind, your emotions and spirit. The blue belt is about a new form of communications and the brown belt is about feeling, sensing, and moving energy, not only in your body, but to your students. And immediately after the brown belt, boy, the world started to change. And that is when I realized that there was something out there. This is called energy work. And it was uh, 2001 when I received my brown belt. And I had dramatic experiences during the trainings when... I suddenly began seeing things. I would see like colors around people. Now that was a wahoo oh moment. <laughs> and, and it's not something that I can call up by any means, but I spent a week emerged in the idea that there's something more going on that you don't know about, Gail. And so uh, when I came back, I started looking for more ideas about energy, and that led to Reiki.
0: And that's and fabulous. I, yeah,
1: and so that's that's how that came about. Once the Reiki uh, session started and the training started, I went all the, I took all the trainings to become a teacher <laughs> of Reiki and a practitioner.
0: Right, right, and I certainly benefited from that. It was wonderful. So, yeah, it definitely works. That's been a while. From there, yeah. you really expanded because. You got connected with Carolyn Mace. What was it about her work that spoke to you, and how does your work with archetypes continue to influence you even today?
1: Well, Carolyn Mace is probably my greatest spiritual teacher and entree into that world. And I started with her by getting connected with her book, Sacred Contracts, and had an opportunity to listen to her in person at one of the Hay House workshops that she did. And I drove down to to listen to her. In fact, I flew down in those years to listen to her speak. And after that one-day lecture she did, I knew it was something I wanted to do more of. And what attracted me on it was that I had completed the neo work, it was ongoing, and I'm still teaching. I mean, this is a continuous thing. However, I'd I'd reached the end of the trainings by achieving the black belt. And I did not know at that time that the trainer invitation would be on the horizon many years later. But what Sacred Contracts offers, and what was so attractive to me, was figuring out your life purpose not only from the uh, idea of what am I here to do? What's my best job? Which is sort of the question when you're in your 20s and and maybe 30s. But why am I here? You know, why was I born in, in this time? What am I here to do? What are my gifts? What do I need to share? And so Sacred Contracts was all about that. And when I got the book and was reading through the book, it just was an awakening of many ways of my attempting to figure out me and my life and that there's a purpose uh, for things. She's very careful not to say reason, by the way. There's a reason for what I, my life. And the idea of reason is that brings you into the thinking part of your mind versus purpose, which is more of a soul question. What is my purpose? What is my spiritual question? So this was bringing to me uh, that, Entire realm of possibility.
0: That's wonderful. And you've had years of connection with Carolyn. It's it's in in fact still ongoing, I understand. Still ongoing
1: Uh, since 2004. If anybody could be a groupie, I am a Caroline Mace groupie. <laughs> I have taken every training, every certification. I'm an overachiever in this realm of, of what's next. You know, what's right. next, what's next. I'm so passionate about the what's next. And continuing to pay attention to her sometimes in person, uh, more recently online. Of what's new, what's she doing? What is her perspective on our world today? And so the archetypes themselves really help people understand their sole purpose. And I have one of my archetypes is a teacher, not surprisingly, and the other is creative. <laughs> and so um, there's more than that. There's there's twelve, and bringing that all together was very healing to me. And that she has a different approach to taking a look at your life and your history. Which brings it through a different lens of perspective and into forgiveness. You mentioned forgiveness earlier as a key element, and so I have experienced years of understanding that forgiveness and mostly how to incorporate. So Nia was helping me with the body, which I was disconnected with mind. I had I had going mind going on, <laughs> but body connection. And I certainly had emotions going on. And the spirit is the fourth realm that the Carolyn Mace work brought me into, as did Reiki. I mean, all of these things are just part of the condition. And the most important thing for me was an awareness of the importance of trusting my intuition and acting on it.
0: Right, right. Well, I, I also know that in your work with Carolyn, you were led to get involved with labyrinths. So could you tell us, because that intrigues me, absolutely. And I'd love to hear how you got involved and how it's impacting your life even today.
1: Well, the Labyrinth was another new-to-me spiritual awakening and tool. And the way that I got involved in it was to follow Caroline to a workshop. (laughs) And, And the workshop that this one involved was to be part of a mystery school. In France, and to go to Chartres and to experience the only medieval uh, labyrinth that is still walkable in the world. Right. right. And the workshop included not only Caroline, but other people. And one of those other persons was Lauren Artris. And uh, Lauren Artris is the founder of the worldwide labyrinth movement and certainly bringing it into the United States. And she uh, has her own story about how she discovered the labyrinth. She shared it with us. And one of the highlights of this week workshop was doing this extraordinary medieval cathedral after hours with authentic medieval music. My first time walking this labyrinth. And I was overwhelmed with the possibility because it's symbolic. It's a symbolic of your, your path to your center, whatever your spiritual belief is. This happens to be, of course, in um, a Christian cathedral, which is devoted to Mary or the Black Madonna, depending on your point of view. <laughs> and, and, and that creates a link and an attraction uh, for many people and certainly for me that it's part of who I am and who I was.
0: Right. And so you have gone on to become a facilitator for other people. Yes. And what does your work entail in that regard?
1: Well, it involves offering retreats and workshops around a labyrinth with using the labyrinth as a meditative and a spiritual tool to help people on their own path. And so that can be anything from a finger labyrinth to a physical walk. And I walk labyrinths as often as I can and also use my physical tool of the finger labyrinth on days when I cannot. So it connects me in a, a different way. It's revealing in terms of both being calming And also allowing me to open up into whatever direction I might be receiving on my next literal
0: steps. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. Now, all of this you actually were into when you were still up in Northern Virginia. But I just have to say that after 20 years of leading Channel 16 and working there in Fairfax, you retired. And uh, not long after that, and much to the surprise of all of your friends in Northern Virginia, you moved back to Florida where you had grown up. So that made perfect sense, but nobody was expecting it. And we just didn't know what was going on. How were you led to move back to Florida? And what has it done for you?
1: Well, led is the right word. How was I led to move back to Florida? When I retired, I stood up with everybody and said, I'm here, I'm going to be here, sure, I'll volunteer for that and I'll volunteer for this. And I had promised myself a week at one of my favorite and most beautiful beaches in the world uh, where I had lived briefly for one year. So I came for one week and it became two weeks. And I began having a series of intuitive dreams and encounters which suggested to me something was happening. And I had been trained by Carolyn Mace to pay attention to my intuition and sacred symbols that were meant for me that someone else may not get. So, on the third week that I'd extended my one week vacation, it was getting to be Memorial Day. And so there wasn't any room at the end, literally, you know. And I had walked into a real estate office just for grins. And to see, oh, what did they have in the area? And it turns out that I was allowed for Memorial Day weekend to stay in a fully furnished condominium at no charge with the offer that if I decided to rent it, there would be no charge. But if I didn't, then, you know, they would charge me. So I was in this condominium and we are now on week four. And I had, again, this uh, af- these affirmations and encounters and dreams. And pieces of conversations coming from other people that said to me, you're in the right place and you need to stay. And so I signed the lease to stay for a year and I'm driving home to Virginia (laughs) and it suddenly occurs to me, I have just retired, which means less money. And I have a home, yes, and a mortgage, yes, and I now have a second place to live. What am I going to do? And so I got home and I sat quietly in my house for several minutes. And I went into a meditative state and I said, well, here I am. And I got a message and the message was sell your home. And before I could change my mind, I picked up the phone. I called my friend who's a real estate agent and I said, put my house on the market. So all of us were in shock, including Gail. I didn't know where I was going. I mean, I knew where I was going. I was going where I wanted to live. And I didn't know why I was going. But that wasn't my question to ask. I just knew I needed to be there. I was told to be there. So I did. I picked up and I moved.
0: That is just amazing. And since you've been in Florida, you've really blossomed. You know, you not only taught creative writing, you've become an author yourself And your book, Walking the Grove, Journal of a Sacred Encounter, is actually a wonderful account of how you reconnected with nature. So please tell us how you were guided to write that book and why you wanted to share your very personal and sacred encounter with the world.
1: Well, Maria, I think this ties back into the guidance that you received of nature and creativity coming together. And I have always received solace from the ocean and the beach and this particular spot. That's very important. This particular spot. This is the place that I would come to. It's not any beach. It's not, you know, put on your suntan lotion kind of beach. It's it's remote, or it was at the time. And there was an area of this beach that I called the Sacred Grove. And one day I just started doing it. And it was one of these things that... You take off your shoes when you're on sacred ground. I knew I was on sacred ground. I was headed towards the beach. I took off my shoes. I entered this area that I could see at a distance, but I'd never really explored. It was essentially a mangrove forest, and and started walking. Um, it was something that I just felt compelled to do. It's not even like you necessarily hear a voice in your head, although sometimes for some people that can happen, and it's happened for me occasionally. This is more of a, okay, we're just going to do this. One foot, next foot, one foot. It was not too long. It was about two or three days before things started to open up there for me. And I am a very unlikely person for you to be speaking about nature with, and I make that very clear. In the book, I am not a hiker, camper, you, you name it. In fact, my complete innocence about this is probably what helped in in that I had I did not know that that clearing spider webs that were getting into my eyes and in my hair and palmetto bugs, which by the way are flying roaches, oh. uh, in my hair was going to be part of my spiritual development. Wow, but it was. And it is. And it has been. And so since I I like to write, express myself in writing, I would come back and I'd write about what had happened that day. And I knew that I needed to go as often as possible because it's it's a practice. It's a practice. And so any practice requires commitment. So I would go day after day after day. And I didn't miss many days. And I would reflect on my experiences. I would write them down. And... I didn't at the time know that it was going to be a book, but there was a point where I thought, I think I'm going to be sharing this at some time. And so I completed, I think I walked between July 1st and middle to end of October. And I had all of that and I had it in written form in my journal and then I put it away. And it sat for many years Hmm. until it was time I got a sense of I got a sense of what's important in my life and one of the things that was important was to write a book about these experiences so that others could have confidence that they too
0: can experience. Right and you actually do that through your online courses because you've done at least 4 of them. And I know that one is the destiny is in your closet, which is uh, very much uh, something that I would expect to come from you. But then I saw release your inner artist, deepening your connection with nature and the art of observation. And all of those take you back into the natural world and really prompt you to become creative with it in whatever way suits you. So, you know, how has doing that work? Because everything has opened up a different door for you, but how has that all expanded your creativity? And how would you say that it's actually deepened your appreciation of life and your place in the world?
1: It has deepened my connection and with the sacred, with nature, with my creativity, and also enabled me and allowed me and invited me to share these experiences with other people and use my own life experiences and and really craft of talent and communications and how to teach people to all come together and it has been a way to sustain me emotionally and spiritually and i look forward to it continuing I think that one of the most important things, whether it's for the healing that you describe, Maria, or for anyone, is how to get in touch with their creative spirit. And what I want to say about that is that everybody's creative. It's a matter of finding your creativity outlet. And when you want to combine it with nature, which was the directive that you received, uh, there's some simple steps that you can take to make that happen. I call it Going out to go in. Going out to go in. And the difference is that when you go out to go in, you practice slowing down. And that slowing down is going to let you not only observe nature, but connect with nature. It's like a muscle that you develop. And this muscle is really important, and it's part of a practice Once you start doing that and you find ways to connect with nature, nature will find ways to connect with you. And then your creativity will explode.
0: Isn't that the truth? That's just fantastic. And, of course, I thoroughly enjoyed taking your classes. It's been a wonderful uh, experience for me. And they really did help me do what the guides told me to do, which was to say, Get creative and get back into nature. I was, in taking your classes, I, I went outside. I did start to photograph again. I started to write. We've started soul collage. Just a lot of different artistic endeavors that have I find very fulfilling, and obviously I, I plan on keeping them in my life. But, you know, all of this is to say that really anyone should perhaps consider how they can be more creative. And because it's it's part of everyone's journey. It's healthy. It's what keeps you healthy. It's just a wonderful way of living your life. And so I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for everything that you've done, because it's certainly opened doors for me as well. And that's part of my healing. And that's the journey I'm on. And I know other cancer patients and survivors are on the same journey. So perhaps it will benefit them to know your story as well. So thank you so much. And I know that you do offer these classes and workshops and women's retreats. And, of course, if anyone would like to buy that beautiful book of yours or take a you know a course, sign up with you, what's the best way for them to contact you?
1: Thank you for all of that, Maria. And the best way to contact me is through my website, which is gailcondrick.com.
0: All right. So wonderful. Thank you so much, Gail. It's a pleasure to see you. And it's a pleasure to speak with you. And of course, I look forward to taking more classes with you.
1: Thank you for listening to Put Cancer Behind You with Maria Barnes. So you won't miss a single episode. We hope you'll follow our program on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us at mariabarnes.net, on Facebook at Put Cancer Behind You, on Twitter at at PCBY01, or on Instagram, at MariaBarnesPCBY. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know is in need of cancer coaching, Maria is here to help. We'll see you next time.
0: Copyright 2022, Maria Barnes, LLC, All Rights Reserved.